Amen. Good morning. Well, my name is Eric, as Derek told you. I'm the youth pastor here, and I'm excited to be with you as we think back in time, if you would. Our missionary mentioned they've been married for 45 years. My wife and I celebrated 21 years this week. And it makes you start think, thinking about, the, about history, your own history. I mean, imagine where you were in 1989. Can you think about it? What was your wardrobe like in 1989? Some of you haven't changed it. Some of you have. <laughs> Better question, maybe. Do you remember high school? Specifically, your first day of high school. Do you remember it? I remember mine. Obviously, a new campus, where do I go? New people, not bigger than me, thankfully. Uh, new traditions. And one tradition that we had at Foothill High School involved our assemblies, which took place, can you guess where? In the gym. So before big games or events, all the students and the faculty, they'd squeeze into the gym to get some great news. And the goal would be to give the whole school some fantastic information, some great news that would hopefully get everyone riled up, you know, school spirit and everything. The football team might come out, flex their muscles, get everyone inspired before the big game with the crosstown rivals, the Tustin Tillers, or the basketball team might come out and attempt to imitate the Harlem Globetrotters to show how much they would dominate over the Villa Park Spartans. And in both instances, the cheerleaders are always there with their pom-poms, trying their hardest to get people excited. And every assembly at my high school started out one particular way. As the room got to capacity, the lights would go out, which would make the room get almost silent, and then you would start to hear this. Probably the first time that song has played at South Shores, <laughs> I'm guessing. But that song was kind of an anthem for a generation, the 1980s generation. And for some reason, it got most of the people in that gym excited. And I'm not sure about what, but the music got everyone kind of wound up. And that's kind of why I'm talking about music in that way, because it is so unique in how it ties into our lives. It brings back these memories. It ties into our experiences. It can even unite you pretty close together with other people, instantly making a memory. And, and sometimes you hear a song and you just can't help but singing along, or sometimes you start, you start crying. It's sometimes a way that our hearts start to overflow with whatever's inside. This kind of happened to us last summer at Hume Lake, when we were up there with our high school and middle school. In high school camp, uh, Wednesday night during camp was the final night of competition for a very physical game they'd been playing all week called Kajabi Can-Can. I want you to think about this because you have no idea what it is. Think about it like three-dimensional tug-of-war where there's a centipede of alternating team members battling with each other to yank and twist and to pull the opposing team member into the lava zone where they, they die, or they're out, sorry. So picture this, there's a thousand kids split into 28 teams. They'd been battling all week, and the finals were on Wednesday night. Ooh. 
as the top eight teams whittled down to the last two, you have half the camp standing around watching two teams battle it out, and finally, there was a winner. Everyone celebrates, and then there's kind of that exhale moment when you're like, okay, that was fun. Now let's hike back to our cabins. At that point in time, the Hume Lake staff began to play a certain song over their loudspeaker. And what was so cool, we would have showed it to you this morning, but our, our, our system's not working. But they started playing a song by the band One Direction, kind of the, the monkeys for the 2010s. And all thousand kids start dancing together at the same time with no planning, no preparation, no, no, no texting each other. They all just started dancing and singing along to that song. Their hearts were overflowing with what was inside. Now, it wasn't that same song from the 1980s. It was kind of an anthem for the 2010s, but they were certainly excited. And, and about what, I'm not quite sure, but that night, it was probably just joy and fellowship. But what's interesting is that the music stirred in them. And that's what I'm hoping happens here this morning, that we can hear news that will stir in us and then overflow and change everything. So in this Christmas series, we're calling it Declare His Glory. We're taking a very strong look at God, no surprise. We're taking a look at Jesus, and we want to ask Jesus to stir in us something for His glory. So in the passage today in Luke 1, we're going to see a background character. Even though Mary is very, very popular across front lawns all across the United States in the manger scene. Back then in rural Nazareth, she did not get front and center treatment. You think of Nazareth, a very rural town, maybe a couple hundred people at most. She was just a girl, just a girl in the world. But she got some news, and it turned out to be the best news ever. Actually, she got news and her cousin Elizabeth got some news, and Elizabeth's news was good, but Mary's news would be the best news ever that would change everything. And it would be an anthem not just for the 1980s or the 2010s, not even for the year 4 BC. It would be an anthem that could span across all generations even on our own. And thinking about Mary as just a 12 or 13-year-old girl probably, this news would have impacted her so deeply, and it caused her to respond in a song. I call it the first Christmas carol ever. It stirred in her a musical response, a magnification, a spotlight on Jesus. She would hear news so good that she would cry out. Her soul would overflow with this news that would change everything. And Jesus can still change everything today. For any soul that's willing to put their hope and faith and satisfaction in Jesus. So let's check out the news in Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And remember, before we get to it, Mary had just had a run-in with the angel Gabriel, who told her that earth-shattering news that she was going to give birth to the Son of God. Okay, let's process that, shall we? This is a flat-out miracle, humanly impossible, a supernatural act that would cause her, a virgin, to conceive a child who would then be in charge forever. Also, don't forget about Mary's family member, maybe a fourth cousin, we could think, who was probably older. And I mean older, older. Think, might have used a walker older, who was also pregnant. 
This woman should not have been pregnant well past childbearing years, yet she was gifted by God with a child, a son, John the Baptist, who God will use to prepare the way for Jesus. This other miracle baby would prepare the way for the Lord and help turn many people to God. With that in mind, let's read Luke 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill what he has spoken to her. Now, I didn't see it when it was live, but I saw it on reruns in the late 70s and early 80s. There was a show that came out in the 1950s in black and white. It lasted almost 30 years. Even today, late night show Late night talk show host Jimmy Fallon is doing a version of this today. There was a show where people would try to correctly identify popular songs using just a couple notes. Anyone remember what it is? Well done. The people who did the best in that competition were those so steeped in the music, so experienced with it, so immersed in the melodies that they could immediately identify the song based off just one, two, three, or four notes. And in this passage, we're going to see a couple females who are experts at naming a tune. We just read, Mary no sooner walked into Elizabeth's house, says hello, and Elizabeth's baby starts doing prenatal backflips in excitement. By the power of the Spirit of God, the yet unborn John the Baptist hears the voice of Mary and in one note realizes it's him. The good news has arrived. Not born yet, still in the oven, but the good news is on the way. Elizabeth, by the power of the Spirit, is able to name the same tune and recognizes immediately who is in her presence. Yes, she's happy to see Mary, but what's more, she knows that Mary carries inside her the news that changes everything, the one, the person who could change everything. And Elizabeth basically says here, Mary, out of all the women in the world, God's favor has just dropped on you. Your baby is going to change the world. And I love her excited question she asks in verse 43, how could this happen to me? that the mother of my Lord should visit me. And Elizabeth, she recognizes what everyone should. Mary was not herself the blessing from God. Mary was not holy or sinless. Mary herself was not the gift or the good news. The Catholic Church has missed this by putting the spotlight on Mary instead of her child, the Savior. Now, Mary, Mary was blessed, that's for sure. However, Mary's blessing was the gift that was Jesus. Mary would carry in her womb the fulfillment of God's promise to her people, Israel, and also to the whole world. And why was this special? She was just a simple, young Jewish girl, 
a faithful, God-fearing young woman living in what seemed like obscurity. And in that obscurity, she received the best news ever, that her baby would be the king of all kings. And once Elizabeth got done with her spirit-filled response, Mary's soul is also stirred. And the news inspired her. It caused her heart to swell, to overflow. And this news connected to her on the deepest of levels. And she couldn't help but respond. I don't think she danced. I'm guessing not as being pregnant. And she might have jumped. But what she definitely did do, as Luke records, is sing. Her soul overflowed. And she is a humble soul. She's a repentant soul. She did not have a proud heart. And we're going to see that this young woman is quite unusual because she had marinated her soul in the Lord. She had immersed herself in the scriptures from a very young age. She had trained her soul in the ways of God, the way many people today train their bodies to be physically strong. And this preparation of hers had prepared her for whatever the Lord had for her. And from 46, verse 46 on, Dr. Luke's going to record for us Mary's song of response. And I, I just, you read through it, it is a treasure chest of truth that draws from the deep, deep well of the scriptures. And that should encourage us, it should give us pause, not that we should feel guilty for not immersing ourselves in the scriptures, but that we can be inspired or encouraged spurred on to begin marinating ourselves in the Lord and his word. So let's hear Mary's response, which for sure declares his glory. Starting in verse 46, Mary said, My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior. Because he's looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant, surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the mighty one has done great things for me. And his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He's done a mighty deed with his arm. He scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He's toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary's song declares the glory of her God in that moment and over history. And her song flowed from the well of Scripture. In just about five sentences, this girl refers to the core truths of God and his revelation to his people. She refers to First and Second Samuel, the Psalms, the prophet Isaiah, the history of Genesis, the prophet Habakkuk and Micah. She also throws in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. And most of us, if pressed, could not find Habakkuk in a hurry. But Mary had prepared her soul well. Mary had trained her heart to be ready for the Lord by devoting herself to his word. And when the time came, she was ready. So the question we ask ourselves should be, do you train your soul to respond well to the Lord? Do you train your soul at all? What Mary illustrates for us is that what you prepare to do by habit, you'll reactively do in response when the time comes. 
And the time was now for her, because she was certainly pregnant. Light had come from the outside of the universe to the inside, outside human ability or involvement, light had begun to dawn. God moved in on the world. He moved in the world to send a rescuer. Mary did not come up with the solution. The world did not have the solution. And our world today cannot come up with the necessary solution. I love uh, how Pastor Tim Keller said this. He said on Twitter, and I, I brought it in for us, he said this, the Christmas message is that on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Notice that it doesn't say from the world a light has sprung, but upon the world a light has dawned. Light has come from outside. We cannot procure it ourselves. God sent a Savior into a dark world by means of a no-name servant girl, but not because of the servant girl. She was a nobody, but her faithfulness to God, her obedience to God, her devotion to God made her ready to be used by God. And this reminds me of what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth about obscurity and who God will use. 1 Corinthians 1.26, Paul wrote, Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God's chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what's insignificant and despised in the world, what's viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what's viewed as something so that no one may boast in his presence." Any person, any age, any race, the Lord wants to make his glory known through you to make himself known to you and to send you a rescuer. Mary would have never won a Jewish popularity contest. She would have never been selected to be royalty in Herod's court. But God chose what is insignificant in the world to put his glory on display. And he's still doing that. There's three things I want us to grab from Mary in this passage. So much to learn from her. This is going to be your first fill-in if you're taking notes. Mary got a lot of good news that day, but behind the greatest news, which was Jesus, there's more great news. First thing was that Mary got the news that God saw her. She looked up and said, God sees me. Although she was living in a small town in obscurity, God saw her. And although she was just a teenager, God saw her. In verse 48, Mary recalls, God looked with favor on the humble condition of his servants. God often uses people who are not great in the world's eyes to work his purposes on earth. The world at the time would have considered Mary practically invisible. She had many strikes against her, culturally speaking, for the time. First strike, she was female. And in that culture, that was, you were a second-class citizen. Second strike against her, she was young, losing rank there again. And third of all, she was rural, if you know what I mean. She had no big city swagger to her name. But in spite of all those strikes against her, she knew that God saw her. And this means... No matter your circumstances today, God sees you. You cannot be invisible to him. So if we want to be like Jesus and how we're humble in hearts, 
we want to be like Jesus and how we're a delight to the Lord, then we'll imitate Jesus. We'll, we'll be like Mary in this passage who was humble instead of repelling God with her pride. So on top of the news that God saw her, Mary got some good news that God saves her. She looked up and said, God, you see me and you save me. And she knew, this is critical, Mary knew she needed saving. Mary knew she was a sinner and needed the mercy of a holy God. Again, I need to bring it up. Our Catholic friends have missed this. Many of them, in their admiration for her, and there's a lot to admire, they've forgotten that Mary herself acknowledged her own sinful need for salvation. Mary was not sinless. She, like all of us, needed a Savior, and she said that herself in verse 46. My soul praises the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She knew her need. She knew she was not mighty. She knew she was not perfect. She knew she needed to be lifted up by the Lord. In verse 52, or excuse me, 51, he's done a mighty deed with his arm. He scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts, and he's toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Mary considered herself lowly. That doesn't mean she was depressed. Doesn't mean she looked down on herself. It means she saw herself accurately. She didn't have an overly high view of herself. And in spite of that, she knew she needed the Lord's exalting. She needed his lifting. She knew she needed God to lift her up. Well, on top of the news that God saw her, And the news that God saves her, the third thing, Mary also got the news that God satisfies her. She knew that God could satisfy her. Because of her devotion to the Lord and the way of the kingdom of God, she was very tuned in to what brings true and lasting satisfaction. Verse 53, she In her song, she said, He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. The world is very full of proud people. Have you noticed? So satisfied in themselves of what they've accomplished. But Mary knows a better way. The world is full of powerful people who sit in power, in offices over others, but Mary knows a better way. The world is full of rich people. This room is full of rich people. This pulpit is filled with a rich person when we compare ourselves to the rest of the world. We are rich. Mary wasn't rich, but she knew that even if she was, she shouldn't find her satisfaction in that, to put her trust in those things. She knew that to get true power, you don't sit on a throne or pile up money, or pile up accolades for yourself. She knew that finding true satisfaction in God is found in developing an appetite for God and letting go of the world. There's a pastor in Texas named Pastor Justin Hyde at Redeemer Church, and he said it like this, experiencing God's power means letting go of your own. That's not easy, is it? The prophet Hosea warned God's people of finding satisfaction in themselves. Hosea 10, 13, we read, you have plowed wickedness and reaped injustice. You've eaten the fruit of lies. 
because you've trusted in your own way and in your large number of soldiers. Mary gave up her own way. She let go of her pride, her preferences and plans and said to her God, yes. And just last week, Pastor Ty in his sermon said that we should imitate Mary who said to God, Father, whatever you want in my life, the answer is yes. Mary got the news that changes everything and we're still celebrating it 2,000 years later. The Savior has come. The Savior is Jesus Christ. So as we think about this this morning, remember this. Jesus sees you. Jesus wants to save you, and Jesus can satisfy you. Mary got news that changed everything for her, and you and I can take on that news as well. And the skeptic in the room today might ask, Eric, you're talking about all this good news, but have you turned on the television lately? Have you allowed your blood pressure to go up (laughs) by paying attention to what's on the internet, what's happening in our world? What good news could there be? Our world is on fire, it seems. But the good news, the gospel as we call it, is the good news that in spite of our world being on fire, there is a God. A true and a loving God who is holy, who made us in his image and who created us to know him. The good news is that every human has sinned. That's not the good news. But in spite of the fact that we've cut ourselves off from God because of sin, God in his great love has sent Jesus to rescue his people from their enemies, the biggest of which is their own sin. The good news is that Jesus, being born by a simple, young, teenage girl, Jesus then lived a perfect life, died on a Roman cross, and when he did this, he fulfilled the requirement of the law and took on himself the punishment for the sins of the world. Then, proving his true identity, he rose again from the dead, showing that God had accepted his sacrifice and that God's wrath against us and against sin had been poured out on Jesus. So the good news is that God now calls every human being to repent of their sins, trust in Christ alone for salvation, and they can be born again. They can experience eternal life with God. So I think if we can glean from Mary today, we should be humbled. We should be blessed by the magnificence and the love of our God and of our Savior. And, and if we do that, we can, be, we can experience that overwhelming blessing that overflows our soul. Like Mary, our hearts can respond with joy when we find our hope in Him. At Christmas time, we we do celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world. We celebrate someone who could and would offer salvation to the world. And that's good. But keep in mind, Jesus coming as a sweet baby, that's adorable. It's good news. But Jesus said he would come again. We want every person to buy into the news that changes everything so that when Jesus comes again, you'll be ready. I'm going to close with what Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Chapter 5, verse 23, Paul wrote, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's good news. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, it is your name we lift up this morning. And I pray you would help us and equip us to lift up your name each and every day of our lives. That it wouldn't just be a Sunday practice, that it would be a daily habit. And in doing that, you'd train us to respond to you. Help us to say yes to you today and every day till you come again. In your name we pray.